I just drink wine. Wine Situation, the show that unwinds wines with wines. That's right. It Hi. makes life better. Very first show, everyone. We're very yeah. excited. I'm Ellen. I'm Sean. So the Wine Situation is a show where we ask people to tell us what bugs them the most. Then we pair a wine with it. So it's kind of like a wine for a wine. With all the W's you can get. Mm-hmm. I'm wine. sure we could throw a lot more W's in there. Who, what, where, when, and wine. Yeah, that, that's, that's, <laughs> a, that's a fair amount. We have a little bit of experience with wine between the two of us. Quite a... Uh, a fair amount. Sean uh, has been working wine for six years. He helped open Bar Covell, which is the best wine bar there is on oh, the planet. Shucks. It's true. Okay, I'll take it. I'll just take it. You should. Thank you. And he's, I call him the wine whisperer mm-hmm. because he magically just knows what people want to drink. I'm not the only one who said this. Like People back me up on this. They're like, yeah, Sean just looks at us and eyes us, gropes yeah. us. <laughs> Maybe not. I'm like, I was taking me take that He's out. He's the wine, um, the wine whisperer. I call him. He just he knows what you want. Has never failed me. Oh, thank you very much, Alan. Well, you know, um, I wouldn't be a wine whisperer without a wine listener, mm-hmm. and that's you over there, Alan. Yes, talking to you. I listen to many. But audience. you're the one that actually has credentials here. You're the one that actually took tests and like passed exams and did all that stuff. This is true. Yeah, you did the uh, wine and spirit educational trust. Yes. Or or Advanced level. Ooh. Ooh. The W sets, right? The that's W what, sets. That's what the cool kids on the street say? That's what the kids on the street mm-hmm. are saying. The... And then you also write for this amazing blog, The Scrumptious Gruel. Yes, right? Scrumptious Gruel is my Scrumptious. Not scrumptious. Scrumptious? I mean, the word. It's, it's scrumptious, I think, is how we say the word. Say it however you like. Scrumptious. Scrumptious. Does that sketch? Scrumptious. Okay. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that one. Well, let's get into it, huh? Yeah. Uh, we are so excited. Our very first guest here is Brian Rucker. He is a fantastic, funny person, a writer. He's written for UCB Mod Team. And he currently has a great podcast called Goop Yourself. Thank you. It's really good to be here, guys. Uh, I had no idea you opened Bar Covell. I'm like super starstruck. Yes. I am one of the helpers that did it. Wow. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. so cool. Do you still work there? I still work there two nights a week. Oh, it, yeah. it is like Ellen said. I mean, it's the best the best wine bar in the area for oh, sure. Thank you so much. And you know, speaking of your uh, podcast, Goop Yourself, Goop one time was like naming all the best uh, wine bars and named Bar Covell. Mm-hmm. So yes. it's yep. all coming together. Uh, so I'll, yeah, I'll plug my podcast a little bit. It's called Goop Yourself, as Ellen said, and uh, it is about... About Gwyneth Paltrow's lifestyle newsletter, Goop, uh, me and my partner, Aggie Hewitt, partner in writing, not in life. Uh, we, we, <laughs> <Where's> John? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we just like scour the newsletter every week and talk about what we liked, what we hated, what is insane. And there's lots of insane things every week. And then we also like sometimes talk about Gwyneth's private life or any like Ooh. conspiracy theories. But we are obsessed and I have, um, yeah, I've like changed a lot of my health habits like for real because of Goop. So um, it started out as like making fun of it. And now I am taking it way more seriously than I thought I would, which is really sad. But, you know. I mean, if you could live a life like Gwyneth by following oh, I know. Goop's advice. I've, right. I've never seen her in person. I've seen a lot of celebrities in person, mostly because I used to work at a fancy hotel when I lived in New York. And But she always, like, has houses. Like, if you're that level, you have houses in New York. You have a house in L.A. You have a house in London. So, like, you're not at hotels. So I never got to see her. But hopefully one day. One day. One day. Are you listening, Gwyneth? Well, oh, I wish. Follow the sound of my voice. Should we? Yeah, should let's we? Get into it. We want to like go ahead and get some corks coming out here. Cool. Uh, Enough talking. Let's start drinking. 
Yes, we, we have a bottle of uh, pink bubbly stuff, the fancier ways. It's J-Wine Russian River Valley Brut Rosé uh, is what we're going to pour. And while Sean's getting that open, do you want to tell us what your wine with an H is? Sure. So my wine with an H is something that I've thought about for a long time, and I think it's sort of, Woo! ooh, that's a nice Yeah. Pop. That was like a real sound effect. That was good, yeah. That, that was, was like real good. Tr- true life. It came to a head lately. So a lot of, or I would say most of the critical establishment as far as like movies and TV and music goes is dominated by straight white men, as is like honestly like every category of job in this country. Uh And I follow, like I'm a big TV watcher and movie watcher and music listener. And so I like like to read a lot of uh, criticism. And I also like to listen to a lot of critical TV podcasts specifically. I've noticed that, and this is not like an original thought that I'm having, but most of the straight white male critical establishment tends to critically assess entertainment that is geared specifically for them in a different way than they assess other entertainment. And now, I guess in the past few years, uh, luckily there is a lot of other entertainment geared towards women, LGBT people, people of color. You know, there's a little bit more people that get their foot through the door mm-hmm. that are able to create these shows. And tolerance, uh, I think, too. Yeah. Tolerance on the... The groundbreaking news that women can be funny. Exactly. Uh, yeah, with both comedy and drama. But these guys, and not all straight white male critics, but a lot of them tend to take apart genres that they might not be predisposed to like, such as melodrama, such as if you consider soap opera or anything sort of in the domestic sphere or anything with, with honestly, with multiple women in the lead. And they take it less seriously than they do other genres like action, sci-fi, fantasy. Because, honestly, like, prestige TV in the past, you know, 10, 15 years is all genre. Like, The Sopranos was a mob show. Breaking Bad is a heist show. Hmm. The Wire is a police show. These are all, these are not high art tropes. These are genre tropes that people have elevated. And so, in recent Days, I guess these are very two very recent examples. Big Little Lies and Feud, which I think are uh, Big Little Lies especially, but Feud to mm-hmm. a certain extent are probably almost just as good as any of these sort of prestige TVs TV shows that we've seen. But because they concern women and they are in a genre that is like more of the domestic, you know, quote unquote chicklet type. They're of not stuff. real problems if yeah. women right. at home are having them, right? Speaking of that, let's um, cheers this. Cheers cool. this. We got our glasses full of pink bubbly, which we uh, well when. We heard what your wine was. We were like, "What's? Hold on, gotta taste this wine." Mm-hmm. Pause for sipping. Mm, mm. That's good. Oh wow. Ooh, I like it. So that's a brute rosé from Russian River. Russian Valley, River. Sonoma. Yeah. And I have to. This is really douchey, but I've been on a detox all week. Oh no. Oh. So this is. Uh, I am cheating. I'm supposed <laughs> to. <laughs> I'm supposed to go through tomorrow night, but I've been like no caffeine, no alcohol, wow. no unhealthy food. Wow. And so this is quite a treat. Well, and honored. you know what? I'm cheat. Can I swear on this? Yeah. Or, yeah. Sure. I swear away. Like I, uh, I can fucking do it because it is my detox and I can end it whenever the fuck I want. You can do whatever yeah. the fuck you want. Well, thank you for. Um, we're honored you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we're honored <laughs> you. I wasn't going to like come here and do the podcast and be like, no, I can't drink. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> At least you're not like in recovery or something. Yeah. Well, then, I would, you know what? Then, yeah. I have this two year chip, but I'm going to say fuck it because. <laughs> you have me you got, you asked me in your podcast. I better, better drink. Um, so are we supposed to talk about the wine too? Oh well, we. I was gonna say we we were discussing your question and we're like, oh, what's the wine that straight men don't take seriously? And first we're like rosé, yeah. the pink stuff, and and doubly so when it's bubbly. It's like the fluffy. 
fluffy That's pink really one. smart. It's funny, like, I feel rosé, obviously rosé in the past several years has become super trendy. Yeah. And there's a certain True. type of in white big male. Cities, though. In big cities, In big think, cities, yeah. yeah. Straight white guy that uh, maybe in the summer on a yacht or something, like, I... will, will deign to drink rosé. But yeah. yeah, they're not going to order it. I have one friend that says he doesn't like any wine. And I get, I honestly, because I'm like such an omnivore, like, I love, I love everything really, mm-hmm. which can get me into trouble sometimes. But like, whenever someone says they don't like it, specific category of anything and that's similar to like this TV show discussion that we're having yeah. right, right. it's like no there are good examples of everything yeah and just because it's not like your thing that is what you would associate with yourself doesn't mean it's not yeah. valid for totally. somebody mm-hmm. oh yeah we had more reasons why people wouldn't maybe take this one seriously it's it's made the there's a very specific way champagne is true champagne from like the champagne region of France is made with a, a second ferment in the bottle and it's from Pinot Noir and Chardonnay and Pinot Meunier grapes and uh but people don't take sparkling wine from california as this one is as seriously but this one is made exactly like exactly like champagne yeah only, most sparkling only wine northern made, california yeah right. most sparkling wine in california is made in the champagne way right yeah like, but this one is also like the exact same grape oh yeah i mean like people not a lot of people are doing it just because okay. it's very expensive yeah uh, that's why champagne is so expensive just because going through that process requires a lot of tools sure. and a lot of time so um, is this Pinot Noir grape or what is So this is Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, and 1% Pinot Meunier. Okay. And like those are your, like, dominant champagne, champagne varietals. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I guess the Russian River, like, it's pretty cold up there, mm-hmm. so it's a similar climate to Champagne. Yeah, yeah, you you know your wine stuff. Yeah, exactly. I, it does snow in Champagne, mm. so, like, the vines are really close to the ground to keep them warm during the winter. But in Northern California, they're more, like, trellised and up off the okay. ground a little bit, so they can get away with it more. Yeah, so it's kind of this, you know champagne style in like a new world kind of way Mm -hmm. so it's something classy something classic like all those women in big little lies yeah but yeah. like seen in maybe a different way. Totally. You mentioned there's some like reviews of these shows. Like, okay. I there's one of them. I forget which one where it said something like, "And this gaudy cast: Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon and, and Laura Dern." And I'm like, "How is this a gaudy?" Yeah, cast? I noticed that. Would anyone ever say a male actor or a male cast is gaudy? Oh yeah. God, no, it was so that gaudy. was was that that was either the Mike Hale New York Times review mm-hmm. or that's the one I read. Uh, yeah. That one, and then the other one. That that really irritated me was Tim Goodman for The Hollywood Reporter. And I, li- I listen to Tim, Good- Tim Goodman's podcast, and, mm-hmm. like, I like – like, he's a funny guy, and I think he's, like, a good writer. But this almost made me, like, stop listening to his podcast because he and his co-host both watched one episode. And they're fucking TV critics. And they were like, oh, I'm out after one episode. They basically compared it to Desperate Housewives. Well, the way they described, like, the women's behavior even in it that seemed reasonable, like, there was one of them, the spoiler alert, but, you know, Laura Dern gets upset when her daughter's beat up at school, and he describes her as going ballistic, because, well, yeah, if my daughter got beaten up, I was like, is he just describing it that way because it's women's behavior? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Again, like, no one would say... Walter White is going ballistic. Uh, <laughs> no, or, he's cool, man. Yeah, and, and luckily, I think there are now are there are more female TV critics like Emily Nussbaum at The New Yorker and Willa Paskin at Slate. Hmm. Uh, some gay guy. I'm trying to think of like a good gay male. I can't think of one off the top of my head. And there's still very few critics of color, especially in TV. Uh, Kyle Buchanan. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, who, who does he write for? He writes know. for like Vanity Fair. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And like he does like Elvis a lot of like one off. Yeah. Oh, Elvis Mitchell. He doesn't yeah. really yeah. do TV. Yeah. And like Hilton Halls does theater, yeah. obviously. But um. Yeah. Uh, and I think honestly, as the show spe- specifically talking about Big Little Lies, as the show kept going on, because it was very popular too, more more people sort of started watching it, and mm-hmm. by the end, I think there was a critical consensus. Whereas at the beginning, it was it did seem very like female critics really get the show, really like it. Mm-hmm. Male critics do not. And by the end, I, I still don't know if like Mike Hale or Tim Goodman turned around on it. Uh-huh. But like one prominent male critic who I really like, Matt Zoller Seitz from uh, he writes for Vulture, I think, mm-hmm. um, and he I think had reservations um, at the beginning. I don't think he said anything as stupid as as Hale or Goodman did. But by the end, he was like, "No, I'm totally turned around on this. Like this has trans- transcended its genre." Which I'm like, why do you need to transcend a genre? Just be a good example of a genre. Yeah. Like, I'm, I don't know. Like, I started loving TV because of Melrose Place when I was Mm -hmm. a kid. Like, that is the first show where I remember I wasn't watching with my parents. Like, it was my thing. And I, like, fell in love with storytelling. And I, and, and it's like a really stupid show. Like, Mm -hmm. totally. Like, I admit (laughs) that freely. It is like a dumb show. They did like five million episodes per season. Like, they were cranking them out. Yeah, I was like twelve, I mean, and I just loved it. Like I was, I was enamored by all the actors, by all the plot lines. Like they moved so fast, mm-hmm. and like I got into that before I even got into comedy. Really, I mean, I would argue that Saved by the Bell, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. like transcendent comedy. I mean, <laughs> well, I have no idea how it was critically. Yeah, no, it was. Dr. I mean, it was critic- back <laughs> then, like <laughs> no TV shows were like critically acclaimed. But Saved by the Bell, right. I mean, it was on Saturday morning. Uh, I used to have dreams stuff I watched about or... the people on Saved by the Bell. Really? Yeah, I was like in it. <laughs> Who was your guy? Were you Slater? Uh, oh no, it's Zach all the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Alternate storylines just played out in your head. Yeah, well, just like I, I remember having dreams. I was one of the gang. Uh huh. Like important moments in my life, surrounded by Mark Paul Gossler and Tiffany Thiessen and Mario Lopez. Like they were my friends as much as my real friends were my friends. <laughs> I um, mean, we we watched the show over and over, like the reruns. We didn't care. We'd sit down and we'd get home from school and be like, "Let's watch it by the bell." Yeah, I mean, obviously, as a kid, you grow up and you're not really watching this high end TV, mm-hmm. so you do get. I mean, same with like with comedy. Like I later got into like. You know, the cool sketch shows, uh, you know, Mr. Show or whatever. Mm. But I was like SNL. That's yeah. what I watched when I was a kid. I watched that in an In Living Color. Yeah. I, you know, I was oh, yeah. not. Mad TV. <sighs> oh, Mad, Mad I TV. I watch yeah. Mad TV. I think yeah. I watch yeah. a little Mad TV. Um, but I was definitely SNL. Like, I kept track of, you know, all the cast changes. And I had, like, my certain people that I like, certain mm-hmm. characters. I think that's, like, pretty much everyone at UCB is like that. <laughs> I um, may or may not have had Wayne's World memorized. See, that was the one that I <laughs> I was, like, not a Wayne's World person. Oh, God. We were I, so obsessed. Yeah. That, I was... I was I like a I'm church lady, mm-hmm. Linda Richmond, Coffee Talk, and then a little bit later, like Coffee I loved Talk. the cheerleaders and Mary Catherine Gallagher mm-hmm. oh, and Delicious yeah. Dish and all those ones. Norm MacDonald. Yeah, oh like, my, yeah. I mean, Norm MacDonald, I appreciated so later, I think. Yeah. I think he was a little too high. Like, I didn't get his sort of absurdist take when I was yeah. 12 or whatever. But it's funny, even in SNL, like, straight guys will be like, well, you liked it too. But, like, Wayne, I feel like Wayne's were like, Chris Farley, I love, but, like, he was not my guy the way that, like, Molly Shannon was my guy. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, Anna Gasteyer. Yeah, yeah. The crew. You guys know the female performers of SNL better than I. This is <laughs> just doesn't speak well of me. Well, we're drinking yeah, sparkling rosé, honey. So. That is delicious. That is very say. good. It is. Yeah, it's yeah. really. Can I ask how much like retail? Thirty-five dollars oh, so is, is their suggested. Okay, retail. yeah, that's yes. like nice, but not insane. Yeah. If just for uh, like one. If I'm at a grocery, yeah. like a grocery store, like yeah. a like a Vons or something. 
and there's like a red blend that's like under $10. Is there any that is drinkable? Like, can I just pick one up? Is there any that I'm going to enjoy or should I just stay away from it? I mean, I like Ravenswood Zinfandel. Oh, yeah. But... I've had that yeah. before. That's not bad. Uh, I mean, it's all it's all drinkable. It's just like yeah. anything when it's like mass produced. Yeah, yeah. Like quality is going to go down. You have to add more chemicals and stabilizers to like make it okay. I like Fetzer. I, it's, that's like super inexpensive. I've never had a, one of theirs that I've been like, oh, this is plonk. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and I think they're environmentally like a little more friendly, which is probably why I tried them in the first place the cheapest wines that i like are those like italian wines from trader joe's that there's yeah. like a primitivo griff griffone i mm-hmm. think is the brand yeah. and they're dirt cheap they're fine yeah. like yeah. if you want to spend four dollars on a bottle of wine yeah don't go to trader joe's i'm terrible i'm scared of the parking lot so i don't know their wines oh i just go right when it opens at like eight in the morning that's yeah. how you have to do it they have good wines yeah they have solid wines yeah i've had i mean i know i whenever i'm at someone else's house they're like god this is a trader joe's so. i've had like a good suave from them yeah. like yeah. good their vino verde is not bad either yeah. like you have like some of it is terrible so it's like <laughs> you have to sort of pick and choose certain things are fine yeah so another one of the series that you brought up that's not being taken seriously these days uh is feud yes and feud and it's it's sort of meta in feud because I feel like those actresses feud if you don't know is about the rivalry between Betty Davis and Joan Crawford uh, and had pl- some stuff to say about champagne I'll share later oh but really go on. <laughs> yeah uh, and so these were actresses that in the 30s and early 40s were basically the two biggest actors or actresses in Hollywood they were huge and Joan soaked her face in ice in that one movie. Oh, I don't know. Was it in Mommy Dearest where she's like Probably. getting ready? Oh, that's not that's Faye Dunaway pretending to be Joan Crawford. Yeah, that's oh. I don't think I, <laughs> I'm a I'm an anti Mommy Dearest person because I'm like a Joan Crawford stan. So I'm like fuck Faye Dunaway, fuck that movie. Um, it like ruined her reputation. See, that's what I think of. Yeah, you're right. It did. That's my opinion. <laughs> clearly. They were, especially Joan Crawford was, like, none of her movies were really critically taken seriously because they were women's pictures Mm -hmm. was the term they used back then. Hmm. Melodramas. Betty Davis was, like, a little bit more critically acclaimed because she would do, you know, historical dramas and, like, different genres more. But then the show Feud is written and directed by Ryan Murphy, who's another person who, like, I'm not going to defend everything that Ryan Murphy does because, like, some of it is super shitty. What? Scream Queens, like, most of Glee... Uh, oh a lot God. of a lot of American You're Horror Story. Glee? I am. Oh. I am Ellen. It's oh. bad. It's bad. It was terrible in like the last couple of seasons. I like well, when they graduated the original one. Oh but God, they got that God, far. I, loved, I didn't get through an episode without crying. You guys, are you not <laughs> taking seriously because you're not a uh, female? Possibly, who maybe knows? possibly, yeah. Maybe we're you know maybe shaming it. Then, well, yeah, but considering <laughs> it was one of the like more groundbreaking like it was. Yeah. It did yeah. bring uh, like musical theater back to sort of the center of of like consciousness for a lot yeah. of people. I guess that's sure. one thing you could say about it. It's okay. Everyone's it's entitled. Just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just that I lived it, Ellen. So like, Wait, I didn't need to watch you it. Live, you, you were in. Uh, I was Glee in Glee High School. Oh my god. Well, oh, well, no, we had like choir. choir. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like show choir. It was like concert choir. Oh, yeah, I did that for a little while. Yeah. In high school too. It wasn't like we just like sat, stood there and sang. We didn't yeah. do like all the moves or whatever. We didn't do I any moves. I just did yeah. the musicals. Yeah. The musicals. A lot of Fosse arms in my life. But Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. he's like someone who he's obviously the most successful gay showrunner in Hollywood without a question. Um, and he's able to sort of do whatever he wants. So he like even though I don't love everything he does, I super respect him, and I he's such a prolific and like amazing uh creator i think more he's he's a good writer but he's like a great sort of creator Mm -hmm. and he's able to sort of like channel something like feud which is you think of betty davis and joan crawford i i think of them at this point in consciousness sort of cult objects for a subset of like older gay men and you don't Mm -hmm. think of them in the center of the culture 
And Ryan Murphy is able to create a show that is uh, accessible enough for an audience. I mean, I guess they were sort of gay icons at the time, but they were also Mm -hmm. like just huge movie stars for everyone at the time. And he's sort of able, I think, to bring, I don't want to say mainstream, but like sort of like an accessible sensibility back to to those people. And it's like a hit show. It's crazy that like Mm -hmm. these movies, this is like a hit show about the making of whatever happened to fucking Baby Jane. And it's amazing that like, I live in a time where I can watch a TV show about the making whatever happened to Baby Jane and the best actress race of 1963. Because it's nuanced, too. He gets, you know, interpersonal, like, behavior. That's where I feel like a lot of critics undercut, like, female-driven ensembles is because they don't see that as something worthwhile. They don't believe it's, like, a real problem if it doesn't... Or they just don't see the value of it. And they don't see it as, as something worthy watching. Totally. Well, yeah, like Ellen said, the the stakes are different and for a lot of men perhaps they don't see the intricacies of the stakes and so they dismiss them. Do you think that... Have the critics been not fond of Feud as well? I I think they've been on the whole positive. Again, there's always going to be the dudes that are like, oh, it's just not for me. I'm not going to watch it. And like, I don't think Feud is like a fine... It's a good show. I don't Mm. think it's a great show. I don't think it's Mm. on the level of Big Little Lies. But who knows? Like... it's only, we're only halfway through the season, so who knows? Mm. And I do think, like, just sort of the performances in Feud are amazing. It's mm. Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon and Jessica Lange. Oh. Uh, Allison just Wright like is Jessica Lange is absolutely incredible on that show. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Susan Sarandon, too, but Jessica Lange is just like, I mean, she's just incredible anyway. But. I think if this was a show about the making of, like, Apocalypse Now or The Godfather, let's <laughs> say. I don't know. What's that stupid jailbreak movie that all those guys like? Um, oh. Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption, yeah. <laughs> oh. Like, if this was if this was like feud about Tim Robbins, Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. People would then, not call that a gaudy cast. Oh, yeah. they, oh, they had a feud on set. They had a oh, nasty sure. feud on well, set. Well, like, yeah. yeah, dudes get in fights on sets, too, but they're, it's never talked about. So I think the show is smart in, like, sort of deconstruct how the media pits women against each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the show sort of is smart about that. It's also kind of meta, too, because it's talking about these interpersonal relationships that the media creates around it. Yeah. And then, therefore, the media is then commenting on that as well, you totally. know? And so it's... Well, and it's, it's funny, like... It almost I, doesn't allow for that critique, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was I just skimmed an article yesterday. They're already talking about, like, the Emmy race because all of these actresses are going to be in the same category for, like, actress in a leading role in a limited series. They're already pitting Reese versus Nicole, mm. and they're pitting them against each other already. Uh-huh. And they probably will be, yeah. be, end up being against each other, but it's funny even today that, like, they ha- there has to be sort of a narrative of mm-hmm. these two. And, like, Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman are, are very different types of actresses. Yeah. They're in, in a way that sort of Betty Davis and Joan Crawford were, Nicole Kidman is very sort of internal, and soft in a way, and I think um, her the movies that she chooses too mm-hmm. are on the whole like pretty sort of stereotypically feminine. I feel like Reese plays characters that at first glance you're like there's nothing going on there, and then but with her playing them you're like oh there's so much going yeah. on. Yeah. Like, they're both great, but like Reese is super feisty yeah. and super I think relatable. I think like today Reese would be the Betty Davis and Nicole would be the Joan Crawford for yeah. sure. But why does the media have to pit them against each other? Like why did they like make us pick sides? Like they're almost like setting up this you know. Oh, yeah. I was going to say cockfight, but that's, that's <laughs> the opposite of a cockfight. And, and they're asking us to, like, choose a side. It's like, who do you like the best? Sure. Are you a Reese? Are you a Nicole? It's like, okay, can I like both for different reasons? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. You know, and, they're, and, and they set it up in this, like, bitch drawn out, you uh, know, like, battle dome or something. <laughs> and we're supposed to, like, cheer it on. Where they don't do that with 
male actors. They don't do it in the same way. No, yeah, I can't think of an example. Yeah, I don't even I like mean, what like are, maybe uh, like Steven Seagal and <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah. Rocky. What's his, what's his name? Oh, and Sylvester, uh, Sylvester Stallone. Stallone. Yeah. yeah, like in, yeah. I guess like in but, but like where? Yeah, is there? I can't I even think know. of like a, a movie where there's two male leads. It's that funny because right. each other. They knock plot lines that have to do with women like having emotional problems, and then like the media tries to create it for like us to consume on the real life level. I don't know if that made sense. Yeah. No, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, it's almost like a publicity stunt, basically, yeah. to get you, you know, into the show. That, oh, sure. You know, and I'm sure that they're like somewhat complicit. They like they know what the narrative's going to be. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, if, like, like if you want to be on the cover of those magazines, you have yeah, to work yeah. to do it. You know, certain people that go certain places, so they will be taken oh, pictures of. Totally. Like it's all it's all very orchestrated. Like if you're on those because you want it. Like 99 percent of the time. Yeah, there's whole neighborhoods in Los Angeles that are specifically designed to be seen by the paparazzi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to share the. Uh, a couple of I don't know if that's totally derailing the conversation no, or not. The couple of reasons also why the the wine we wanted to fit to the feud actresses I'm is pour yeah. Some more. yeah pour some oh, more can I have more yeah oh my God. Totally. we can have as much as this bottle will pour. It's like sort of briny and there's like it's like floral too. Mm-hmm. It's like really nice. Strawberry note. Yeah. yeah, it tastes like a little like rose almost. A taste of rose. Yeah. A taste of petals in your mouth. Bubbly. Um, much loved by both Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Betty Davis has has a quote of saying, There comes a time in every woman's life when the only thing that helps is a glass of champagne. Mm-hmm. And oh, be- yes, I know that feeling. Those bitches could drink. Like, <laughs> that's, that's the other fun thing about Feud is, like, especially Joan Crawford. She was, like, a straight-up alcoholic. Yeah. But, like, they, I mean, God, everyone just drank and smoked and didn't give a fuck. It was and all the time. not about their kids either. No. Because get the quote that Joan Crawford oh, yeah. has about oh, yeah. her nine-year-old's birthday party, they chose the menu. There's there's this long description of she's like, well, this is the menu for the nine-year-old twins' uh, birthday party. And at the very end of it, so I don't misquote, finally... There was a tremendous birthday cake for all the guests and Dom Perignon. I didn't suggest a bit of it to them. It was entirely their own menu. Oh, sure. For nine-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. Dom Perignon. Mommy. Which is champagne. Mommy, I want cake and I want Dom Perignon. Mommy, what? Mommy, what? Mommy, mommy, mommy dearest. <laughs> no wire hangers. Okay, I had to say it. No, it's like... I'm sorry. I know, it's, what, sorry, it's how Brian. everyone gets introduced to Joan Crawford. I and it's, I probably saw that movie before I saw any actual Joan Crawford movie, too. Like, she was not an angel, obviously. Right. But I do think that this is totally off the subject. Christina embellished what was going on. For a movie, surely. Yeah. Yeah, well, surely. She, that was her book. Like, she wrote that. It was like a memoir. Are you a Postcards on the Edge fan, speaking of... You know, embarrassingly <laughs> enough, I've never seen it. I neither have I. Yeah, I need to. <clears throat> oh, my gosh. I'm nice. sure I would love it. Yeah. Post Home podcast up. recording party. Yeah. yeah, you have you know a glass and a half of champagne in you. It's a perfect time to that watch. Sounds it. great. <laughs> I have seen heartburn though. Yeah, yeah I have I not mean, seen heartburn. Okay, we'll I'm excited it. to see both of them. It's 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 a good movie. As as a woman, I feel it. But <laughs> as a woman, I feel it. I feel it. I feel Nora Ephron on a lot of things. Do you yeah. want to do some uh, some questions? How do you feel about um, answering some questions? I love answering questions. Yeah. I watch Jeopardy every night. Okay. Are you ready for, with your like wine trivia? We didn't tell you we were going to oh, do shit. this. Oh, shit. We didn't, tell we didn't you want you to study up. Uh, yeah. No, I did not, definitely did not study up, so we'll <laughs> see. I'm not, a, I'm not a trained wine professional. I'm well, just an enthusiast. So you can just say you don't know, or okay. you can just like make a wild guess, or you can come up with some like elaborate answer okay. yeah. if you want to. Let's see. What should what should we ask him first? Mm. Let's start with this one, easy one. This one? Yeah. Okay. What temperature should wine be stored at? Fifty-five degrees. Yes. Yes. I'm not ding, that ding, 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 ding. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I have a wine. I have a that wine fridge. Good. Oh, good. 
Good. Uh, that makes us all very yeah, happy because I get very sad at the number of wines stored at room temperature or served at room temperature. In LA Reds especially. served at room no. temperature yeah. in LA. Room temperature yeah. is just. No, I have my little my little Costco wine fridge. Excellent. Yeah. How, how big? Yeah, uh, I think it holds twenty four bottles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, right now there might be two in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, how do I keep this thing yeah. full? Yeah. Wait, how many does? Because I I saw Sean's fridge the other day, and I got fridge uh, envy because yours looked yours looked roomy compared. Roomy, I have twenty four. Yeah. I think upwards of one hundred and twenty will fit Holy. in there. Yeah. In your house? In my house, yeah. Oh if it's God. done right, if it's like stacked in the right way. Wow. Yeah. With a one hundred and <laughs> something bottle. It's not that big, actually. It's really yeah. not. It's just it's like just the, the way fridge, that yeah. you, like they all fit in there. It's just like it's. I guess it's deep. Sure. It's not big. It's just deep. <laughs> well, since you knew the answer to that question, I'll ask one that kick that... it up a notch. Okay, Alan. I'm gonna kick it up a notch. Uh, give me at least two other names that Tempranillo goes by. Oh man. Uh, I don't think I know this one at all. I didn't know that it went by any other names. Oh my god, there's like 15 of them. Really? Are ridiculous. they all Spanish or is it different languages? Well, I mean, well, in, in Portugal, in Port, it's Tinta Roriz. Okay. Uh, in different regions of Spain, it's Tinta Fino, Tinta del Toro, Sensibel, Aragonés, one that I can never remember. Why is there so many names? Because every region has their own clone okay. of the grape. Like, I do know that Zinfandel and Primitivo are the same. Oh, that's right. That's, that's another question we have. Oh, I got one. Okay. What are the uh, red and white varietals that are most popular in Argentina? Red or most specific to I would popular. Red is Malbec. Yeah. yeah. A white Argent... Torontes? Yes. Yes. God, you're better. You you're are. Good at we, this. We, I thought I was going to be mm-hmm. asking things that were... But you know your stuff. I know. Yeah, I know a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know your cocktails, yeah. too, as I recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, like, I like to drink booze. Uh, <laughs> um, I enjoy booze. Booze is good. Uh, should we ask more? Or should we move on to the... I like these questions. Okay. Yeah, well, more? yeah we, got, um, we, got, we got a little bit. So in Tuscany, there is a wine called uh, Vino uh, Nobile of uh, Montepulciano. Mm-hmm. What's the grape? Oh, I don't know. Because it's not Montepulciano. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the, the Montepulciano. There was a, a hint region. in there that I said Tuscany. Uh, it's oh, the so Vino Nobile de Montepulciano. I'm like so bad with Italian wines. Um, what is Italian wines are hard. Uh, what I don't I think know. Think Chianti. Is. Yeah, like I'm so dumb. I don't even know what wines go oh, Chianti. Sangiovese. Oh, okay, that's yeah. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. That's one we of the confusing up. things. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That was the I, point. Yeah, I, 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 for some reason, Italy is so confusing. Not to me. for some reason. They're maddening. Okay. They're maddening, yeah. Even more. They name wines like five different ways with the same yeah. names or slight variations on the names. Like yeah. France, I can sort of understand the regions and the grapes that go with each region. And like, I don't know much about Spain. And then, like, the New World is, you know, they say the grape. Yeah. But yeah. Italy is like, I. Italy is complicated. I was studying Piedmont today. Oh guys. man! Oh, there's like some good yeah. Piedmont wines. Well, uh, yeah. What is what's the main grape in Piedmont? Uh, Nebbiolo, yes. Barbara, mm-hmm. Moscato. But and then Nebbiolo is like, like most known for Barolo. And yeah, Barbaresco. and then like there's other there's like Arnais there's, is for the white. Oh yeah, that's oh. good. Um, um, and then there's uh, no Gavi's and yeah Gavi, which is Cortese is the grape, but yeah, it's right. called Gavi if it's grown in the right place. It's and then in all the regions, they have their Rosso Day, which just means, like, this is the red wine of this region, and it's probably the same grape as, like, the fancy ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Rosé de or Rosso de Montalcino. It's not Brunello de Montalcino. It's not Brunello de Montalcino, yeah, but it's still Sangiovese. It's, it's just like declassified because they like classify different vineyards based on age and mm. stuff like that. Yeah, and have like stricter like you can produce this much wine like limits on how much. Yeah, Italy. I mean, like, I guess I'll just come out and say it. I'm not a huge fan of Italian wine. I'm because like a lot of it, a lot of it That's just a tastes. Bold it's a bold statement. I know. I feel like I, I didn't know. like Italian wines till I had like ones that were really good. Really good, exactly. And like, and that sounds like not... a really dick thing to say, but it's like, true. it's true. Yeah. I, I just feel like a lot of them are very similar, and there's just yeah. not a lot of differentiation between the between the varietals. Where like, as in a country like France, you get the whole right. gamut. You get yeah. great with, sparkling. You get really light reds. You get totally. really light whites. You get really full round whites and you get deep rich reds. That so you makes get sense. like a Italy, lot. Italy it all just tastes like cherries to some extent. Yeah, it all tastes like volcanics. Like yeah. And I like the, I like those yeah. wines as volcanic <laughs> wines. I like the what? volcanic wines too. Yeah, I like um, and I love them. I love a place yeah. for it. But I'm talking about like just like the most the regulars diversity. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I like to embrace diversity with my wine. Sure, yeah. <laughs> As one my wine diversity there. showcase every year that I put on. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> people come. The um, Pinot Don, Donny uh, versus the I'm just naming French varietals that yeah, are. This is fun. That are Semillon. Semillon. Bouchette Alicante. Oh. Mm-hmm. Pulsar. Trousseau. I had a really good oxidized sparkling rosé from Slovenia oh. when Ooh. I was in New York uh, at some wine bar on the lower oxidized side. Oxidized sparkling. Yeah, it was real. I totally forgot. That is super it. weird. It was. Was it was it a rosé you said? Or was yeah, it, it was oh. like it was a rosé. Was it unfiltered? Was it kind of cloudy? Yeah, it was. It was tasty. Should we ask the the final question? Yeah, there's one one question that we that doesn't have to do with. Anything. We want to end on a positive note. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, so not just like bitching. Oh, no. Right. I love the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a very important question. Go ahead. Am I, oh, I'm, you, I'm asking. I, I, like the way you were leading it up, I was like, oh. I'm no, I, I was that. leading into you, you saying it because I think it was your idea. Um, what is bringing you the most joy in your life right now? Oh, God. <laughs> um, Easy question. Easy question. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my husband, obviously. Mm-hmm. My cats. Oh. Uh, the weather. Yeah. Um, if we pit the cats versus the weather versus John, who would win? Oh, my God. That's <laughs> like <laughs> neck and neck. I don't know. Black Dahlia is yeah. one of your cats, right? Yeah, Dahlia and Aww. Crackers. Um, Dahlia is obviously named after the Black Dahlia, and Crackers is named after uh, the teenager in Pink Flamingos that mother uh, gives him a blowjob. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think all those things can be the thing that bring you the most joy. Yeah. Absolutely. We have room for it all. Yeah, that's a lot of joy. And Del Taco. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Sure. Mm-hmm. Always, <laughs> <laughs> Always Del Taco. Oh. Not a sponsor, just a free plug yeah. for Del Taco. Oh, yeah, I will plug Del Taco yeah. <laughs> until the ends of the earth. And if we're going to plug you, yeah. where would you like people uh, to check so, you out? So uh, please listen to my podcast, Goop Yourself. You can find it on iTunes and Stitcher now. We just got on Stitcher. All right. Cool. Um, next week, I think I'm recording tomorrow. It'll be episode 30. We've been doing it for a long time wow. now. Uh, and then you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Ruckerbry. That's R-U-C-K-E-R-B-R-Y. And uh, you can follow my podcast at uh, Goop Yourself Pod on Twitter. And now we just actually started a Goop Yourself Instagram feed too, even though I think we have like one picture up. Um, well, thank you so much, Brian, yeah, for being thank here. You. Really thank you guys it. for yeah, having me. Very, very first guest. You yeah. got to be our little guinea pig. Oh, yeah. This so. was that was great. the other reason sparkling was appropriate. Yeah. I forgot. That's right. Because we're cheersing our very first. Our maiden voyage. Oh. 
Cool. Cheers to that. All right. So. Cheers. Cheers, guys. I just drink wine. wine. I don't wine. fuck with IPAs. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with Minute Maids. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with Coffee Maids. I just drink wine. Give me red, white, or say, Don't touch me, motherfucker. I'm a sommelier. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to our first episode. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, review, share us. We're on iTunes. Yeah. Feel free to send us any emails, any questions to thewinesituation at gmail. That's wine with an H. You can also find us on Instagram at thewinesituation. We'd also like to thank the crew from Covell, Matthew Kaner, Dustin Lancaster, also Gregory Condes for all their help, support, and knowledge. We'd love to thank UCB for their great facilities and Catherine Powell for writing our fabulous theme song with vocals by Catherine Powell, Susan Song, and Christine Little. Yeah. Stay tuned for the next episode where we have Price Peterson talking about the scourges of the deep, deep ocean. Go forth and drink. Cheers, guys.